0: Log Talk Radio. Oh, Mama, I'm in fear
1: for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Law, man, it's putting to my running, and I'm so far from my life. We will not go gently. Uh, we will unleash hell here in December. Oh, Mama, I- and you're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I'd like you to play football. i
0: coming down from the gallows, and I don't have very long. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen of Steeler Nation, you hear that song, it has a little extra meaning this week as the Pittsburgh Steelers prepare for the Miami Dolphins and the AFC wildcard game. I'm editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, Jeff Hartman, and with me as always, and I'm going to mix it up on you all tonight, Lance Williams, my co-host, is going to be the host of the show tonight. So Lance, introduce yourself, and go ahead, buddy, take over.
1: Listeners, you know who I am. I'll have to introduce myself. <laughs> You know who I am? i Color Rush, a.k.a. Lance (laughs) Williams, Lance and Jeff, Joy and Pain, a.k.a. Joy and Pain. Jeff obviously is Joy. I'm obviously Pain. I'm into torture and torturing you with my non-Homer opinions. And, of course, Jeff (laughs) brings you Joy and brings you his Homer-based opinions. And that's why we're the flagship show of the network. Standard is the standard. But before we jump into the show, Jeff, how was your holiday?
0: You know, it was good. Um, it, it was uh, not never as long enough to be off work, uh, you know, but at the same time, um, <laughs> I can't complain when you think about the Steelers and what they did over the holiday. It was a, It was a good holiday. How about you? My
1: holiday, as you guys well know, uh, my grandmother passed over the course of the holidays. So my holiday has been a very interesting one, to tell the truth. It didn't really feel like a holiday. Uh, I'm just now kind of settling in, you know, and trying to relax a lot of, you know, a trip to Atlanta, a couple of uh, red eye flights and driving back from, you know, Southern California to Northern California. So, you know, I, I'm still kind of spinning a little bit. You know, trying to get my bearings, but you know, I appreciated the time. She lived a long life. She was, uh, you know, a, a rare breed, uh, so to speak. And so, you know, I, I, I'm kind of in mourning right now. But you know, we're gonna shift away from that, and we're gonna get into the ball game. But before we break it down, and before we jump into uh, the first segment of the program, Jeff, I wanted to ask you about the Rookie of the Year and the Team MVP. The team MVP is Le'Veon Bell, and the rookie of the year is Sean Davis. Do you have any objections to those selections? And if you do, who
0: would you have picked? Um, you know, I don't think anyone should argue with Le'Veon Bell. Even though he was suspended for the first three games, I don't think anyone should argue with that. Um, he's just that good. He is totally he brings a whole, whole new dynamic to the Steelers' offense. But, I think the rookie of the year is where you could have an argument, although I don't find an argument because everyone asked me, and I wrote an article on the website about it, and I thought, it was, I thought Sean Davis should have won the award. I'm glad he did. A lot of people wanted Artie Burns, and Artie Burns has improved a lot, but he doesn't make the plays that Sean Davis does. And I had this a pretty long um, disagreement with one of our other writers on the website who thought Artie Burns should have been, the rookie of the year, and he said, oh, well, he has three picks. And I was like, well, yeah, but Sean Davis has a pick. He's got a, a sack and a half. He's got, you know, he's got tackles for losses with pass defenses and everything. I just think he's that dynamic. So I was fine with Sean Davis. What about you? Did you think that uh, one of those two would didn't, wasn't deserving?
1: I, I want to disagree with you, but I'm going to agree with both. I think this team, and clearly the best player on this team is Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> He he's, the, he's the, the, the straw that stirs the drink for this offense. Everything flows from the fountain of Le'Veon, so to speak. If he's going, they're going, and they're winning. So I don't think there's a, that is Le'Veon Bell. The odd thing is is that it's typically never been Roethlisberger. <laughs> I mean, that's the odd thing, given the fact that we're talking about a guy with two Super Bowl rings and a, and a guy that's probably going to be a first or second ballot Hall of Famer, particularly if he gets a third ring. As far as Sean Davis, I'm going to agree with you there as well. You know, Steelers are a cover three team. Cover three corners don't do a ton. They're not really asked to do a ton. I think Sean Davis at that strong safety slash free safety position is asked to do a lot more. And, You know, does Artie Bird make the plays that Sean Davis made against the Indianapolis Colts when he smashed Scott Tolzien at the goal line? I don't know. And because of that, and I think it's not, I don't think it falls short on me or you uh, who think Sean Davis should be the rookie of the year, that this defense has gotten a lot better since he settled in at that safety spot. So I, I think the, the MVP and the Rookie of the Year for the Steelers are sound selections. I wouldn't disagree with anybody if they said A.B. or they said R.E. Burns. I could see arguments for both, but I just think it should be Dell. But I want to switch reels, Jeff, and we talked about it off air. And, listeners, I wanted to pitch this to Jeff, and I took a look at this football team, and we talked about it last week on the show we ask the question, are they playing well or are they just winning games? And that's a question that the staff has to answer as well because I think as a team they're going to have to be more consistent going into the playoffs. So with that being said, I jotted down or created six different things that I think are encouraging signs that point to the fact that the Steelers could possibly win a Super Bowl. Let me give those to you. Here are my three encouraging signs, Jeff. And these stats are not including the Browns game. Pressure. In the last six weeks, excluding the Browns, this is all six games before the Browns for all these stats listeners, 21 sacks, more than three a game. Number two, team MVP, Le'Veon Bell playing at an all-pro level. I'm not going to give you the numbers because we all know what it is with Le'Veon Bell. The numbers are ridiculous. An O-line play before the Cleveland game, they had only given up three sacks in six games, and they have an overall, at that point in time, an adjusted sack rate of 3.6%, which was third in the National Football League. Those are my three encouraging signs that tell me that this team can win a seventh Lombardi. Do you agree or disagree and would you add one or remove
0: one of those sides? Huh, you know, um, no. Um, the only I, – I don't think so. I you mean, know, I'm thinking back of the, the three keys, and I, they're all crucial and very vital to success in any football game, let alone if you want to win a Super Bowl. You have to get pressure on the quarterback. You have to get run the football. And um, the Steelers have done that. And so I, I don't know if I would add anything – Um, I'm curious to see your reasons why they wouldn't uh, win the Super Bowl because I have one to add if you didn't put it in there already. But I don't think so. I think those are pretty much spot on. And there's no hiding the fact that that's why they are on a seven-game winning streak. And I know you left out the seventh win, uh, rightfully so, considering the players that won in the lineup, especially offensively. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's anything that I can see uh, glaring that I would add or omit to that list. Let
1: me, add, let me let me follow up this way. Of those three things, and it's pressure, the amount of pressure that they've gotten during the course of the winning streak, Le'Veon Bell's play, or the offensive line play, why don't you rank those three? And if there's one that they could afford not to do as well,
0: what would it be? Oof, okay, if um, I'm ranking them... With this team, I just feel like the defense, it, it needs to get that push. I'm going to say that defensive pressure is number one. Um, I'm going to say that protecting Roethlisberger is number two, and that Lady on Bell going nuts is number three. And let me put a little caveat to that or a little asterisk there, because Lady on Bell's numbers during this winning streak had been so absurd that if he were to have a an okay day where he rushes for. 85, 90 yards, and has, you know, even 30, 35 yards receiving, to limit that because that's over 120 yards total combined from scrimmage, uh, and they can limit that, those numbers. But you have to be able to protect Roethlisberger. When he's getting hit, he has shown a tendency to waver a little bit. And I think, like I said, that the defense ultimately – hinges on them getting pressure. You even saw it in Week 17, which, let's be honest, they were only missing James Harrison from their lineup, or, and Stefan too, mind you. But um, RG3 had way too much time, and he was very comfortable in that pocket. Now, in the second half, things changed. They started getting pressure, and you saw this, in the defense had a different look to it. Uh, I'm curious, how would you rank them, the same, different, and which would you omit if you had to omit one?
2: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details.
1: I would probably rank it with Le'Veon Bell number one. But I like your point about if he has a slight drop-off, he's still playing at a ridiculous level. But I think for them to win a 7th Lombardi, party, and I'm going to ask your, your, your thought on their path to the Super Bowl, particularly given their path to the Super Bowl, I think he has to continue to be absolutely red-hot. They have to be able to lean on him. Secondly, I would put it on pass protection, and lastly, pressure. I know defense wins championships. I don't disagree with that. But when on this particular football team, when you have the killer Bs, the killer Bs have to play at a very high level for this team to continue to advance because I think for them to get to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to win a shootout somewhere along the line. But let me switch to – my discouraging signs, and I have three. I may throw in a fourth. Let me give you my discouraging signs. And again, listeners, the stats that I'm going to list off don't include the Browns game. Discouraging signs: big Ben inconsistency, really bad interceptions. Number two, red zone defense. At the time of the Giants game, they were ranked number one. That slipped to four up until the Browns game. And over the last three weeks, excluding the Browns game, teams were 6 of 11 in the red zone, 55% down defense. They dropped from 12th to 20th. And against the Bengals and Ravens, they converted 15 of 29 third-down chances 52%, 52%, which at the time would have been last in the National Football League. Of those three things, do you agree? Do you disagree? And if you want to add one, add one.
0: Okay, I agree with all those. Um, Redmond defense, Red the third down offense, and uh, what was the first one? Um, Big Like Ben.
1: Big okay. Ben's inconsistent yeah, um,
0: play. Now, before I rank those, I figure that's what we're going to do next. Um, let me say that if I were to add a fourth, I would put tackling down. And I know you have yet to found a website that keeps an accurate tally of missed tackles, but it's been atrocious. I mean, and that's been bad. And so I would add that as a reason why they won't, because you, you look at that Baltimore game, you go back to even Cincinnati in week 15, they could not wrap up to save their life. I mean, I'm t- we're talking middle school defense stuff, you know. Get wrap-up. it free. Don't just throw your shoulder at him. You might not go down. Um, so I would add that. But if I were to rank those, well, let's see here. I would say that, to me, the red zone defense is going to be up there because this defense has been a bend-don't-break defense the entire year, but they've always hung their hat on the fact that they're going to force teams to kick field goals. And if you force the team to kick field goals, eventually you figure with the offense that the Steelers have, they're going to be able to put up points. However, like you mentioned, they struggled in certain areas. They struggled in the red zone and Big Ben has struggled. I'm going to say that Roethlisberger's struggles, though, are going to come second, and then the third down conversion will be last. They're all really big concerns for me, though, um, the level of consistency on this team, offense to defense, front to back, you name it, is the biggest concern for me. And and all those things that we talked about, even the the tackling that I brought up, all can come back to inconsistencies. So how would you rank those? And do you agree with tackling as being a fourth, or would you say that's too big? I think tackling is absolutely a fourth, and we're
1: going to talk about that. Or I'm going to talk about that when I break down the defensive side. And I'm going to give you an example, listeners, on the tackling issue. And a lot of times we talk about coaching, we talk about scheme, and we talk about execution. And we talk about, on this show, we've talked about it ad nauseum, how sometimes coaches get too much credit and sometimes they don't get enough of the blame. And that ultimately coaches' responsibility of putting players in a position to succeed. There was a particular play against the Ravens where where Keith Butler dialed up the perfect safety blitz against Joe Flacco. Sean Davis comes off the edge, unblocked, free-run at Joe Flacco. He misses the guy. He just flat-out misses the guy. And that's a case where Keith Butler did everything that he could do. He put Sean Davis in the absolute right spot but he could not tackle the guy and finish the play. So you're absolutely right, Jeff, The tackling is paramount going into the playoffs, that they are really going to have to shore that up. I would put Big Ben, in terms of discouraging signs, number one. Because if Big Ben throws picks like he did against the Baltimore Ravens, they are going to get beat. They cannot rely on getting that hot on offense to save that game. And they, you know, they almost ran out of time even though they won the game. He's going to have to get better there. Uh, And so I would rank it Big Ben. I would rank it third down defense. And lastly, red zone defense. They're going to win a Super Bowl based on how this offense performs. I know defense wins championships, but they need the killer bees to perform. The killer bees need possessions, and they need to get up on teams to take some pressure off of this defense. Because another alarming trend that we've seen over the course of the winning streak is the defense is giving up leads and putting the offense in a position where they have to do miraculous things to come back and win games. And also for me, and speak to this, Jeff, I think the run defense in general over the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to include the Browns game in this, The run fits are inconsistent, and the tackling, again, is inconsistent in how they've played against the run. I mean, what's your thought about how they're playing the run, particularly in these last two weeks? And do you feel comfortable with that going into this game against a running back that ran for over 200 against them?
0: Well, for me, I look at it and say, well, Stefan Toot is a very key cog in this run defense without Cam Hayward and without him in the lineup, it, it was very easy for you saw the the uh, Bengals. The Bengals tried it; they were successful in the first half, um, and then all of a sudden, the second half they kind of the Steelers' defensive line settled down. The Ravens did it, and surprisingly, the Browns did it as well. And, and it's just kind of like you get you get the Steelers in their sub packages, and without Stephon it, you're looking at who's going to go out there as a defensive lineman. Big Dan McCullers can't move enough to be out there in sub taxes, so he's not going to be on the field. So Javon Hargrave is going to be out there, and he's pretty good. I've been very impressed with him, and he's someone that um, I just think deserved a few votes for the rookie of the year, although I don't think he should have won it, but he should have gotten some votes. He's played well this year. Ricardo Matthews, he's banged up. He's got a hurt ankle, didn't practice today. This is Wednesday. Uh, and then you also have guys like L.P. Walton. With Stephon at back in the lineup, that makes a big difference because now you're looking at Stefan Tud and Hargrave and Walton. You're not relying on two of the other guys because it's going to be one of the main keys there. So I think that's really, really big. But I, I can't help but think of how many times have we seen in the run defense, even the past three or four weeks, Ryan Chazier, who in my opinion is the ultimate X factor for this defense, shoots the gaps perfectly. And this is exactly what you talked about when you were saying how, the coaches put them in positions to make plays. They have to make the play, and he shoots the the gap and just completely misses the tackle. And sometimes he's able to slow down the runner enough. Uh, but you look at a guy like a and the yard he gets after contact. You you're playing with fire. Um, and so I think Tua coming back is going to be a big key for the Steelers' defensive line and their rush defense. I think James Harrison playing and he didn't play in week seventeen is going to be big. Um, but I think that. Um, shavier has got to step up his game. And a lot of people been like, ah, he's great, he has three interceptions, and that is great. And he still is very athletic, he's still a freak in that area, but he still is prone to missing some really key tackles. If he's playing well, he's tackling well, the Steelers' defense looks completely different, but that's just my opinion. What do you think?
1: I'm going to wait till I get into that because I'm going to segue into that and talk about that when I break down the defensive side of football. But before, Jeff, We get into the offensive keys, and I want you to start. I want to ask you, how disappointed were you with that Raiders loss and the path for the Steelers to get to the Super Bowl now includes potentially a visit to, or if they win, it's an absolute visit to Arrowhead, and then after that possibly a visit to Foxborough. How much more difficult... You know, it I mean, were you? I mean, were you? Were you extremely disappointed? You know, were you like whatever? You know, it's the playoffs. It's going to be tough. Just win the games as you got lined up. You know, I, I know for me, I was hoping, first of all, for selfish reasons, I wanted to go to another playoff game. The have been to several, including the AFC Championship. I was hoping to go see the Steelers pound the Raiders. Was looking forward to them playing Matt McGoin Now Connor Cook. I was hoping that that was going to happen. It looks like that probably won't happen. So I was a little bit disappointed, and I was rooting for San Diego. They didn't get it done either. Were you disappointed like me? What was your emotion around their path now to the Super Bowl?
0: Um, for me, I was clearly rooting for Oakland to win because I felt like without Derek Carr, that's a much easier path. But you know what? Um good friend of ours that we communicated with regularly with Neil Coolong, former editor of Behind the Steel Curtain now with the Steelers wire over at USA Today, he brought up a good point. I, I was the one to mention that the Steelers haven't won in Oakland since 1995. And I don't know what it is about that place, but they don't play well there. And their defense in Khalil Mack, is, <laughs> that guy is a freak. I, I'm not going to be ashamed of saying that I, 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 he's the guy that scares you. But you look at Kansas City, and I know that it's not – uh, I, mean, I think back to the games in Arrowhead, uh, there's only been a few. There was the game where Robsburg got concussed. I want to say that was 2009, 2010, right off their Super Bowl 43. It was an ugly game. Uh, last year they lost there, but Landry Jones was the quarterback. It wasn't really his fault that they lost that game either. Uh, Villanueva was his first start, didn't play well, at left tackle. Um, but I, I honestly, the more I think about it, the less pissed off I am. Uh, you knew you were going to have to beat the Patriots no matter what. And it's going to be a tougher road, a hoe, But at the same time, I wasn't that. I'm not that pissed off anymore. I think the Steelers match up really well with Kansas City. Uh, they do have a good pass rush. The Pittsburgh also has a really good offensive line that can pass protect well. I think that the Steelers beating them this earlier this year, and I was at Heinz Field. That can happen again, and I think that can happen with any team the Steelers play if they play to their schedule because wouldn't you agree, Lance? That that game, I want to say, it was Week Four. It was Le'Veon Bell's first game back. Was that probably the most complete game you've seen the Steelers play in 2016? That's the
1: only complete game that they've played this year. So I, I, I agree with you 150%. That was what the Steelers can look like when it's clicking on all cylinders. That's the dangerous team that I believe Peter King picked to go to the Super Bowl or at least picked to go to the AFC Championship. That's the team. That we're talking about. So, yeah, that team, yes, yeah, so I agree. You know, that was the most complete game that they played this year by far.
2: Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
0: Yeah, so uh, for me, I was disappointed. Um, I, I obviously you want the the easiest road, but at the same time, there's always a little part of me, and I know I'm a homer, and I know that I'm joy in this, in this couple that we have here on the show. There's a little part of me that was very skeptical about them having an easy road to the, in the playoffs. Maybe it's the fact that they've lost some of those games before in the past where you're thinking, man, this is going to be a cakewalk, and next you know they're in a dogfight where they lose the game. I think that if you have a tougher road, you can go back to 2005. I know that Cowell was the coach of that team. You're playing every game is a must-win game. Every game is huge. You're, you're not ever overlooking an opponent. And if they're going to overlook an opponent, it would be this week because Kansas City, is. I think it's going to garner all their attention. But I look at the fact that the Miami Dolphins beat Pittsburgh in Week 6 and how they beat them, I think they're going to have their attention there as well. I actually don't mind Pittsburgh's road to the AFC Championship game, and I have a feeling if they get there it will be against New England, and I know that's a long ways away. But I'm not scared of the New England Patriots either, but um, that's just me. So, um, are you comfortable with their road to the AFC Championship game, or are you a little weary? I mean, at this point, it just is what it is.
1: It's more difficult. If you ask any of the coaches, they wouldn't want to play a combination of Pittsburgh and New England and or New England and Kansas City. I mean, it's, you want to play the backups. I mean, it just is what it is. If you're New England, you love playing the Raiders or Houston. You get a bad quarterback in both spots. You probably run those teams out of there, kill them, and then you have to just kill one dragon, one lion to slay, so to speak, and play against one good quarterback to get to the Super Bowl, and you get that quarterback in your own place. So it's an easier road. But, again, this is a franchise that has a fifth championship team that wanted to succeed and won all their playoff games on the road. So it can be done, and I do think they have the offensive weapons to do it. And speaking of the offensive weapons, Jeff, I'm going to throw it to you. Give me your keys on the offensive side of football for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this AFC wild card matchup
0: against the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to give you only two, and I think that's all that's necessary uh, you look at the Dolphins, there's a good chance they're going to be without two of their uh, members of their secondary and Byron Maxwell and Bakari Rambo, cornerback and safety tandem. I honestly think that the Steelers offense matches up very well with the Dolphins defense. The Dolphins defense does not stop the run very well. But what you can't see, and this is kind of ties into what we talked about earlier with Big Ben's inconsistencies. I think so many times The Steelers get into a run, 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 or run, run, pass. He is a quarterback that needs to throw the football to stay in rhythm, to stay in balance, to kind of keep him together. That's a very generic way of saying it, but it's the truth. And for me, when I was watching film of these players and this team in week six and everything, I was like, man, they just don't look in rhythm. And when you see the Steelers' offense in rhythm, think back to Baltimore, that first drive. That was balance, man. That was, when I talk about balance every single week on the show, that was balance. It was a beautiful run followed by a nice, crisp pass route that was a timing pattern. It wasn't Roethlisberger running for his life and creating. Not that that's a bad thing, but you want to have an offense that can function within itself. And so they can stay balanced like that. Think back to against Baltimore. The drive that got them within three points. The the drive that was all Bell and all Brown, which is insane if you think about it. Every yard of that drive was either a run by Le'Veon Bell or a reception by Antonio Brown, which was capped off by Bell's touchdown catch, I believe. That's what they need to have in terms of balance. They can't be so one-dimensional. They can't be so predictable. And in my opinion, it all comes from balance. If you're balanced, you're putting the the, the right players on the field, you can run and pass that is when you're truly lethal. This offense is capable of that. They have the offensive line that can do it, and I truly believe they have the skill players that can do it as well. Uh, with Ladarius Green hopefully being back, that's a huge boost for them. And so if they can stay balanced, and the second key is so simple, but they struggle with it in week six, and, and that you have to protect Roethlisberger. Um, he is still very, very important, if not the most important guy on that uh, offense. I know Le'Veon Bell is important but you need that guy to throw the football, and you don't want Landry Jones to come in. They have a good pass rush. They have a good defensive front. They need to keep Sue and Cameron Wake away from Roethlisberger. It's going to be up to Todd Haley to help in that effort in those short, quick passes. And, again, comes back to balance. You don't allow them to load the box with eight players because if you're throwing the ball well, if you have enough time, they have to back off. That opens up everything. Your offense can run smoothly. I honestly think – These two keys are the only keys necessary for the Steelers to win on Sunday or for them to have offensive success. Again, it's stay balanced on offense. That keeps everything in rhythm, everything on time, and then protect Ben Roethlisberger. And that's it. You can add anything if you want, Lance, but that's all I think is is necessary.
1: Before I give you a a couple of comments on what you said, let me ask this. giving your keys – what does the stat line look for look like for the Killer Bees? What does it look like for Ben Roethlisberger? You know, maybe throwing touchdown passes, quarterback rating, completion percentage. Give me your thoughts. Does Le'Veon Bell and A-B's final stat lines look like
0: at the conclusion of this game? Okay, I'll say Roethlisberger throws the ball about thirty-five times. He completes seventy percent. Um, he throws for at least two. Um, He's just a very efficient game. Uh, we'll, we'll say he, at the 35 attempts, we'll figure in, he'll finish out about 295, maybe just shy of 300. Le'Veon Bell's going to rush for uh, buck 10. He'll have um, 25, 30 yards receiving. Antonio Brown will end up with 10 catches for 105 and a touchdown, or, or maybe even a little south of 100. It's just even. It's all even. Not one guy going berserk, but everyone chipping in. Like you said, the killer bees. If they can do that, in my opinion, game over. If they can get all those guys involved so, in all those deadlines. That's just my opinion, though.
1: So you're picking the infamous, almost the infamous 300, 100, 100, meaning 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing by a player, and 100 yards receiving by a player. You're
0: picking Detroit. No, Dexter? no. No, because I said per would be south of 300. The Steelers play much better when when Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have to throw over 300 yards. Um, History shows us that. So no, I said Roethlisberger would not throw 300. He would throw 35 attempts. He would have about 70% completion. Finish just just shy of 300. But I think Antonio Brown's going to have a big game. Uh, He's due. You know that you know what he's like when he gets streaky. And Le'Veon Bell is going to have his day, too. I think just, I, I just look at the Miami runs rush defense. I just don't think it's that good.
1: Name an ancillary player on the offensive side of football that may, whose stat line may be surprisingly well or a guy outside of the killer bees that might prove pivotal or critical
0: in the Steelers' effort on the offensive side of football to try to get this win. You know, really, if you look outside the kill of these, in my opinion, with the Steelers' offense, it comes down to there's certain players that just have to make plays when they're called upon. And Ben Roethlisberger talked about this in his media availability recently. He talks about Kobe Hamilton. Well, the guy only has, like, five catches in the last four games or whatever, but they're all third-down conversions or big catches or touchdowns, like he caught one in overtime in Week 17. So he's going to have to chip in. market errors seems to be showing more and more each week. But for me, it's going to come down to two players. It's going to be Ladarius Green and Eli Rogers, and it's no surprise that both of those players will be attacking the middle of the field. Um, it's where the Steelers, for some reason, don't like to go unless they have to. But over the middle will be wide open. Um, the, the The Dolphins do have some athletic linebackers, especially a guy like Kiko Alonso. But at the same time, Ladarius Green knows how to just, Get open. He finds that knack of of just finding those lanes. And Eli Rogers developed. So I would say those two guys, Eli Rogers and uh, Ladarius Green. Before I give you my thoughts
1: on your offensive keys, update the listeners on the injury status of Ladarius Green.
0: Yeah. So Ladarius Green on Wednesday he was a full participant in practice. That is great news. He was limited last week on Wednesday and Thursday. He did not practice Friday. A lot of people thought he had a setback. Not the case. If he practices tomorrow fully again, you can expect him to play on Sunday. That means he's clearing the protocol. He's not having any setbacks. I fully expect Ladarius Kreen to be in the lineup Sunday, barring a setback. But other injuries of note that you might want to know about for your defensive preview Stefan Tue was a full participant with his knee, Um, Justin Gilbert with his shoulder was a full participant. Xavier Grimble, tight end, the full participant with ribs, and Sandy Coates was a full participant with a hamstring. Defensively, Ricardo Matthews did not practice. Neither did, nor did, Sean, uh, nor, nor did Robert Golden and Anthony Cicillo uh, and Vince Williams with their own individual injuries. So keep that in the back of your mind. So clarify something for me, Jeff, one last thing on the offensive side.
1: To clear the concussion protocol, do you have to be a full participant in two
0: practices?
1: Because uh, I know you mentioned no. Thursday. If he is a full participant, he'll clear the protocol.
0: Well, no, the, the protocol and it, it comes down to, and because I'm a coach, and I trust me, I've had to do a lot of concussion training, uh, even at the high school level. Uh, any type of concussion protocol is going to ease you back into full participation. And each step that you have to take, you have to make sure that there is no reoccurring symptoms before you can progress into the next step. And so this is, his, uh, this is, literary, this is not Latarius Queen's first concussion that he experienced. And he sat out last week, so there's a limited, my, my guess is limited on Wednesday and Thursday, see how he responded, give him the weekend off. He comes back today, he's a full participant, so they're moving into the next stage of the protocol. Now he practices fully on Wednesday. If he practices fully Thursday and there's no setbacks, he'll practice on Friday, he'll be good to go because at that point, three consecutive practices without a setback, without reoccurring symptoms, you're moving on, it shows that your brain is healing, it's healed to the point where you can actually go out and participate again. But, again, it it looks good now, but if he wakes up tomorrow and is having headaches, blurred vision, sensitivity to lights, a lot of those uh, clear-cut concussion-type symptoms, then he gets bumped back, and he he goes back a step. And then he's going to be a limited participant, and probably he would not be available for the game on Sunday. So what comes next is always very important in in a recovery from a concussion
1: you for that information, Jeff, because I was always puzzled by what it took to clear the protocol. And to your points about the offensive side of football, I do agree with you. I think the Steelers will be successful running it with inside zone, and that's a double team on the inside between center and guard against either tackle on either side of the formation. That's typically what inside zone is. And I think they had success in the game against Miami. They had to get away from it when Roethlisberger, not when Roethlisberger got hurt, but when they got behind, they had to get away with it. Lady Bell still had a very solid game against Miami, so I think they'll be able to do that. I think they'll pass, protect better, because Gilbert will be back. And it won't be where going against Hubbard. I think Dylan Wave is going to have to play better. He struggled in that game, but I think they will pass, protect better, because I think they're going to run it more, and there's going to be limited opportunities to pass. That'll help, and I think they're just playing much better as a unit, so I think the opportunities will be there. And I think there's a favorable matchup, number 25. I don't know the gentleman's last name. The left cornerback for Miami, I think, is the weak link, the candy bar. And I look for the Steelers to try to get him uh, or A.B. matched up on him. To the show all year, you know I give you a ride. and so I'm going to give you my playoff ride. And it's simple. If you want to live to see another day, you must tackle Jay. And that's Jay Ajay. Jay Ajay absolutely effused in the first game. 25 carries, 204 yards, 8.2 yards per carry. That's so. Uh, 8.2 yards per carry. That's almost a first down per carry. Two touchdowns with a long run of 62 yards. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the program. Tackling, tackling, tackling. They have to tackle him because I believe in that game, he got maybe 120 yards after contact. I mean, and that, and that's just ridiculous. That's as ridiculous as the stat that Le'Veon Bell had almost 200 yards before he was contacted against the Bills, some absurd number. I forget what that number was. But they've got to tackle a and, guy and, and particularly on first down. If they play against Matt Moore, they want to run the ball on first down. I looked at all their first down snaps. A majority of those are running the ball to Jay Ajayi, and it's simple. You've got to put this game into the hands of Matt Moore. And to do that, you have to get the offense off schedule. And to do that, you have to stop Jay Ajayi on 1st We'll help to do that because they're going to run a lot on first down, they're going to run challenge, and they're going to run in between the A and B gaps. So they're going to have to tackle, be better in their run fit, because they are going to get a heavy dose of it. Because until you prove you can stop it, you can't stop it. I think Harrison and I think Bud Dupree on the edges will help in that regard. You won't see Chillo. You won't see Jarvis Jones. And so you're going to see those guys get the bulk of the the snaps. They do a much better job of setting the edge and being stout in the edge. So I think the Steelers are going to do a much better job in that regard. Now, in terms of the passing game, I I think the key matchup to look at and focus is Landry, Jarvis Landry against Randall Gay. And Matt Moore's three starts, he's targeted Landry more than anyone. And I think Landry had some success against Gay in the first matchup, and I think that's a critical matchup. Uh, Another matchup to look for is Sean Davis versus Sims um, and or Ryan Shazier against Sims or Gray. The Titans were very successful against the Steelers in the first matchup. But when you look at their wide receiver core as a total I love the nice little combination, very dynamic young players from Landry, Parker, and Steele. Landry's more of a slot guy. Parker's probably a prototypical X, big, long guy, play outside the numbers, an X-ISO guy. Kenny Steele is more of your wide receiver, your flanker. Uh, I think the Steelers are going to play a lot of cover three. I think either Mitchell or Davis be in the box as an extra tackler against the running game, and they are going to have to tackle really well, take solid angles, wrap up, and try to get JSI to the ground. But I think in terms of if they play cover three, I think the high safety will probably shave to Parker because I think Parker is the is the more dangerous deep threat. I think Steele is dangerous as well, but I still think the Steelers are going to play a lot of their cover three. But, Whoever is that safety in the box going back to the first point is going to really have to tackle. But the big thing that i I noticed in watching that Miami game, and I watched it several times, and that might might be the fact that Harrison played limited snaps, you had no bud to pre, zero sacks, and only two quarterback hits in that first game. And I don't care if it's Matt Moore, Colin Kaepernick, Jeff Hartman, Lance Williams, or Ed Bouchette. If you don't get any sacks and only two quarterback hits, I don't care what scheme you throw out there, Matt Moore's going to dice you up. So they're going to have to get pressure. And even though Matt Moore is a backup, I mean, the Dolphins have only given up one sack in the three games that he started. So, I think Harrison and Dupree getting snaps will help them get pressure, but Butler is going to have to figure out a way to try to dial up some pressure. But I think the key its simple. I hate when it's this simple, but sometimes it is this simple. They really have to stop the Dolphins on first down in the running game and put this game in the hands of Matt Moore, and they are going to have to have one of their best tackling efforts of the year. If not, this is going to be a close game because if that offense stays on schedule, Landry and the tight ends will be able to make plays underneath to keep the sticks moving, which keeps that offense off the field, which gets them out of rhythm, which makes this game closer. So run, have some fun. If you want to live to see another day, stop Jack. Yeah, what's your thoughts on those well, keys? And add something or take away something if you'd like.
0: Well, my my question for you is, it, it let's say they 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 do your first key. Do, well, I'm tempted to say that if the Steelers stop the run, no, it's it's done. I, I I don't can you do you think that Matt Moore can win them the game if the Steelers shut down their running attack? No.
1: If they stop the running game, it's over. The other points are ancillary.
0: That's, yeah.
1: The other, point, the no, other points are ancillary, Yeah. And, and that's if the running game is rolling, the other ancillary pieces are very dangerous. But if they ground the running game, or if the Steelers get up and they have to get away from the running game, Miami's dead. They're dead in the water. That's an L.
2: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
0: Right, and you saw that in Week 17 with New England and Miami, which both of those teams still had a lot to play for, especially New England. They needed to secure that number one seed. Um, they got an early lead, and all of a sudden the running game isn't that important for the Dolphins because they had to throw to get back in it. And I would say that Tannehill is more capable than Matt Moore. Uh, with that being said, They have to stop the run. It's easier said than done. But, um, yeah, I I agree with what you said. Personally, I I mean, I would be tempted to just say there's one key, stop the run. You do that, you win. Uh, But at the same time, you bring up, they do have some weapons on the outside. I do think that I don't think there's any way that Artie Burns could play a worse game than he did in week six. He was horrible in that game. And I remember, Lance, you yourself went on a little tangent on Artie Burns after that game. His his angles to tackle were just atrocious. He was biting on fakes. He wasn't in his right coverage schemes when they were trying to roll cover three in the back half when Ajayi was running all over him. He was way too far inside, and they were getting behind him. It was just bad. Artie Burns, in my opinion, has improved a lot. And Sean Davis has improved a lot. And they haven't seen Sean Davis because he wasn't the safety in that game. It was Robert Golden. Um, it's a different dynamic with those two now at this part of the season. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch. But I like it. Um, I think that the Steelers' defense is due for a, a good performance. And I think it's going to happen this Sunday. That's just my personal opinion. What are your thoughts?
1: I agree with you. And before we get to our predictions, let me ask you one last question, Jeff. And we talked about it off air. Which quarterback do you want to see? Do you want to see Matt Moore or do you want to see Ryan Tannehill? Because it's being floated around. If Ryan Tannehill practices today or practices this
0: week, he'll be the starter. Briefly, give me your thoughts well, on who you want to see. I mean, I think both quarterbacks are capable. But I'm assuming that the Dolphins aren't going to pull a Washington Redskins with RG3 and put a quarterback on the field that they think is their future who has a bum knee with. But let's be honest, sprain has is tired. There are tears in his ligaments, and one of those ligaments is the ACL. If they're dumb enough to put him on the field after one practice, then you know what, I'll take Ryan Tannehill. But I would hope that they're not, in which case I think they're going to see Matt Moore. Matt Moore, like he said earlier, he's very capable. Uh, he's one of the few backups in the NFL. You I know, mean, look at Oakland. They would kill to have Matt Moore right now. Um, Houston might even kill to have Matt Moore right now. So um, I, I think what I hope that the Steelers see – um I, I guess I, I in that aspect I hope they see Tannehill but at the same time I don't think they're going to. What do you think?
1: I agree with you a hundred percent. I hope they see Tannehill, a guy who relies on mobility as well to be effective. I, I would hope that they I, you know, if they put a guy Tannehill out, let's tee off on that guy. He's gonna be a sitting duck in the pocket. But I I don't think they're gonna do that with the reasons you said, I think they're gonna see Matt Moore. But it brass tax time <laughs> Jesse Jeff, a.k.a. Joy Hartman. What's your prediction? (laughs) Give me a score. Who wins this game on Sunday?
0: Okay, well, I'm going to go all Vegas on you here. I'm going to give you uh, the point spread, which currently is still, shockingly, at 10. The Steelers giving 10. Um, I have the Steelers winning this game. I like the offense. I think they get over 30 points. I think the defense does enough to keep them off of 30 I'm going to say final score, Pittsburgh 31, Miami 23. So, in that aspect, they don't cover the spread. Over, under, it said 46. So, that would definitely be over. If I No, that would be under, I guess, so just under. So, for me, I, that's what my final score is 31 to 23. That is over. I'm sorry, my math is not very good right now. Um, 31 to 23, what do you have?
1: I think the Steelers win. And I think they win 27-17. I think they score late and hold on to win in a somewhat comfortable, maybe kind of close at some point in time. But I think at home, they beat Matt Moore. I think they shut down a guy. He runs for about, you know, 25 carries, you know, maybe 90 yards, something like that. 85 yards, they shut him down, and they go on to Kansas City. But typically, listeners, I, this, I go on my rant, but since I'm hosting and I'm in a den like flow for
0: 2017, Jeff, the floor is yours. Wow, I'm not used to this. But you know what? I can always rant about something. And I want to talk to Steeler fans because it's typically who we talk to when we end this show like this, and I want to tell fans how lucky they are to be a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, the last few weeks have been crazy with Mike Tomlin being called a cheerleader by Terry Bradshaw. Um, People constantly questioning Tomlin, um, Colbert, the whole front office. Folks, I want you to look around the NFL right now. You know, there's only 12 teams that are still planning on playing another game. Uh, The other 20 are now... Searching for answers. And so for me, I look at the teams that look at the 1 and 15 Browns, look at the San Diego Chargers who just fired their coach, look at the, the Bills and, and their dysfunction up there in, in New York. Be happy that the Pittsburgh Steelers base their whole philosophy on continuity. Three coaches since 1969. Colbert has been in place there for years, dates back all into Bill Cowher's tenure there is a reason they are successful. So next time you want to complain about Mike Tomlin, you want to complain about Kevin Colbert, which I think are both asinine to do anyways, think about what it's like to be a fan of a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that is as unstable as any out there, that can't find a head coach to save their life, that is constantly having turnover, coaches fired, coaches hired, this, that, and the other. It's a carousel that just keeps turning That is not the Pittsburgh Steelers, and for that, I'm very thankful. And everyone out there should be thankful, too, because guess what? The continuity has brought them six Super Bowls, and it could bring them a seventh if this team gets hot at the right time, and it will be fun to watch. They're in the playoffs. Enjoy it. It might not happen for a while. I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to be a contender for years to come, as long as Roethlisberger is under center. But at the same time, enjoy every second, because if you think about it, you could be a Cleveland Browns fan. That's all i got to say, Lance. Chip Kelly's a genius.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Chip Kelly's a genius. That's all I have to say. Oh, gosh. You you know, I second that. Jeff, it was fun hosting. Jeff, do you want to do the honors and uh, wrap this whole thing up and sign us off for our first show of 2017, hopefully not our last?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, um, you know, I I hope to be back, whether they win or lose, to uh, talk about the game. Hopefully we're going to be previewing the Kansas City Chiefs next week. But make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. Uh, We've got a lot of cool stuff. I have a really interesting film room on DeMarcus Ayers coming up tomorrow about mid-morning, so make sure you check that out. We've got more stuff coming for you this weekend. Check it out, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. For Lance, I'm Jeff. We'll see you next time, hopefully after a Steelers win. Bye.
2: my name is spencer hall my name is jason kirk my name is ryan nanny and when we combine we form the, the shutdown, shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. Fulltron. i keep telling you we're not voltron the shutdown forecast is technically a college football podcast but it's also a show about lawn care disasters regional grocery stores we love tennessee batman homeowners associations It's not Voltron.